0: Can't wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network.
1: Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast! (laughs) It's January 25th, 2024, and that means there's a whole 11 months until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll look at the history of one of the most popular Christmas toys of all time. On our 65th anniversary, we celebrate Barbie! We'll also give you a way to put some off-season Christmas in your front lawn, but you know, in a clever way. And we have a special guest doing the 5 Golden Things segment, Sean from the Christmas Podcasts Podcast. Okay, let's start the show! (laughs) Happy New Year, Yule Believers, and welcome back to the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast. The podcast all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. Christmas. I'm your host, and a guy who still has his Christmas lights up, Tim Babb. I hope everybody out there had a Merry Christmas. I had a pretty great one myself, even though I got sick right before the big day and I was kind of out of it. But we still had lots of fun. We even extended things by going to Winterfest at our local theme park, Great America, on New Year's Day. And there was still plenty of Christmas decor to be had at the Water Slides Hotel, Great Wolf Lodge, when we went there for the last week of the kids' Christmas vacation. But now... There's not much Christmas stuff out there for us, which means we have to wait again for next Christmas. But you heard the title of this podcast, I Can't Wait for Christmas, which means we should start our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, Now! We need a like i said at the beginning i really haven't gotten around to taking our christmas lights down yet mostly because it's been raining and a i don't want to do it in the rain and b i don't want to pack the stuff away while it's wet but sadly this weekend it's predicted to be dry so i'm out of excuses the outside lights are finally coming down which means my yard is going to look boring again but wait What if you could put a little Christmas flare in your yard without leaving your lights up all year? That's why I made a yard flag for my front yard. It says, if it were socially acceptable, I'd still have my Christmas decorations up. With a nice AI-generated image of a house looking all Christmassy. But I wasn't selfish. I made this yard flag available for you to buy in the Can't Wait for Christmas store. So, this isn't a segment so much as a cheap plug for your store? Just as I expected. Hello, imaginary listener. Sounds kind of like Hermit the Frog. My name... Is Carl. Every time I talk about anything in the store, you pop up and accuse me of being a shill for the store. I mean, if the podcast branded shoe fits. We don't sell shoes at our merch store, so now who looks foolish. But I am glad you showed up and brought this up because it allows me to address some feedback we've gotten over the years. And specifically, I think it's crystallized best in this email we got a while back from Scott. He wrote... While I love the Zazzle store and I have purchased from there before, sometimes we don't need any more things at our house, but we still want to support you. Since I cannot find you on Patreon or similar sites, is there a way to support your efforts in a more direct way? I've paid for way less entertainment than this podcast provides. Uh, He put a lot of A's in way, that's why I read it like that. So let us know if there's any way that we can contribute, even if it's not a large amount. First off, thank you, Scott. I'm glad you find my merry ramblings entertaining, but I thought maybe I should address this on the show. I'm not on Patreon, and I don't have any sort of subscription-based way to donate money or anything, and no shade to other podcasters who do do that stuff, but I just don't feel the need to do it. Same with the store. It's a fun way for me to share my Christmassy ideas, but I don't want anyone to feel pressure to buy anything from there. I don't really need the money. Don't get me wrong, I'm not rich or anything, but the lights are on, my kids are fed, and I'm lucky enough to have a great support system around me, so I'm doing all right. But mostly, I didn't start this podcast to be a source of income. I'm sure there are a lot of charities out there that use the money more than me. Just enjoying the show and maybe sharing it with any like-minded Christmas lovers you know is payment enough for me. So with that in mind, it is with no pressure at all that I say that the Yard Flag is available now in our Zazzle store, and I'll put a link in the show notes. You know, despite your little speech, I'm still going to call you out on it every time you plug your store. Well, that's nothing new. But there's something that is new in our next segment, five golden things as you hear my lovely wife say at the start of every episode this podcast is part of the christmas podcast network typically i put a promo in the middle of the show for one of the other podcasts in the network but for 2024 we're doing something new I'm turning my 5 Golden Things segment over to the other network hosts, so you really get a vibe of some of the other shows, but still be safe in the comforting format of this show. And we have the perfect one to kick things off. We have Sean from the Christmas Podcast Podcast. Now, as promised, I'll turn it over to Sean.
2: Hello, fellow waiters. I am Sean Satka. I am the host of Christmas Podcast Podcasts, and we have christmaspodcast.com. And Tim has been so gracious to let me kick off his series this year of five golden things from other people. And what a better way to kick it off than with a podcast host about other podcasts. So what I'm going to give you is my top five favorite Christmas podcasts on Christmaspodcasts.com. Number five, Weird Christmas Podcast. Craig Gringo brings the weirdest and most fun parts of Christmas around stuff you don't normally hear. It's not necessarily your cozy stuff, but he has this fan fiction contest every year, and it brings the weirdest stories, but it creates a unique and wonderful Christmas for anybody looking for something that is out of the ordinary.
0: Number four,
2: Christmas Past podcast. Brian Earl is a host of Christmas Past Podcast, and he's one of the original ones I started listening to before there was a plethora of Christmas podcasts, and he has the backstory on a lot of traditions, and he digs and dives deep and finds people to talk to. It's a wonderful podcast to listen to if you're looking for histories and other type of things from Christmas, plus Brian has just got a great voice. Number three. Merry Little Podcast. Now, Merry Little Podcast hasn't put out a podcast in a long time, but this is the OG. Well, actually, it's uh, Merry Podcast of My Merry Christmas. The Merry Little Podcast is more of the one for people who don't get the premier subscription to My Merry Christmas. And then you can get the full podcast. So this is just little snippets of what Jeff Westover does. And like I said, the OG podcast that I listened to when starting out. And the only reason why they're not number one is because he's been so busy he hasn't been able to put out any content as of late. So that's why he's dropped to number three. Number two. Advent calendar house podcast. Mike Westfall has given me so much nostalgia listening to this. He is also one of the original, well, actually most of these, including him, are pretty much the original ones I started listening to. And like I say, Mike Westfall, he brings back the nostalgia of all these Christmas shows and specials and everything that uh, I grew up watching and it just brings me back and makes me go watch them again and, and Mike just brings on some wonderful guests to talk about these and analyze them good bad or indifferent it's just always just a great reminiscing Honorable mentions. and now for some honorable mentions which is pretty much going to be everything else on the website because they're all really good podcasts picking out your favorite podcast is like picking out your favorite child you, you can't really do it so all these other ones are going to be honorable mentions for these top five. And we'll start with the ones that pretty much have stopped at the moment, which would be planning for Christmas podcast, Christmas alphabet podcast, eggnogs and yule logs podcast, Netflixmas podcast, sent by the minute podcast, jingle jank podcast, yuletide TV podcast, Christmas time in the city podcast and Christmas hall of fame podcast. Now these other ones have put out other episodes as of recently, and they're all very good. They're all worth listening to. So you can go to christmaspodcast.com, you can find the links to these pages of all these podcasts and find all of them. Even the ones that haven't put out lately, we still have the links to them and they still have their content up and running, so you can go listen to them at their backlogs. So now the rest of the honorable mentions are Mary's Merry Christmas podcast, Christmas Cousins podcast, Festive Foreign Film Fans podcast, The Magic of Christmas podcast, Christmas Sessions podcast, Kringle Talks Christmas podcast, Closer to Christmas podcast, Christmas Morning podcast, Christmas Creeps podcast, Christmas Countdown Show podcast, Lost Christmas podcast, Behind the Bells podcast, Sounds of Christmas podcast, Snow and Town podcast, 12 Days podcast, TGI podcast, Feliz Christmas Merry Navidad podcast, Holly Jolly Xmasu podcast, Christmas Potting Podcast, Total Christmas Podcast, Tinsel Tunes Podcast, Totally Rag Christmas Podcast, Christmas Clatter Podcast, Merry Britsmas Podcast, Tis the Podcast, Sleigh Bells and Whistled Christmas Podcast, Season's Eatings Podcast, Cozy Christmas Podcast, and North Pole Podcast. Number one. Can't wait for Christmas podcasts. Now, no, not because he asked me to do this today. I put him at number one. Tim was one of the top two when I first started listening to Christmas podcasts because he has been so hilarious. He makes you laugh. He has these funny outtakes. He also has very great content and great insights and research into topics that he comes up with. It's just, it's a fun time listening to Tim. Tim is such a great person. And like I say, it's not because he asked me to do this. I put him at number one. It's because he's number two. Uh, Tim, uh, you can FENMO me the money later. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my top five Christmas podcasts. Once again, my name is Sean, and I am the host of Christmas Podcast podcasts. You can find all these podcasts on christmaspodcast.com. That's where we have all the links to all of the podcasts that I have mentioned in this five golden things We have the links to their websites so you can find all of their backlogs, all of their current stuff, everything they have. Keep you listening from now through Christmas 2024. Not to mention, you can also keep up to date on the new ones that drop there, too. So just go to christmaspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to christmaspodcast.com, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can listen to my podcast, updating on a weekly or bi-weekly in the off-season. Once again, thanks, Tim. I appreciate you letting me do this, hopping on and giving my five golden things. Keep up the great work. Merry Christmas, everybody. And Tim, don't forget, you can Venmo me the money later.
1: Thank you, Sean. Other than number one, which is eh, those are some great Christmas podcasts. Like you said, you can check out all the podcasts on the Christmas Podcast podcast website, which we will for sure link in the show notes of this episode. And on a totally unrelated note, does anyone know how Venmo works? Never mind, I'll figure it out. Thanks again, Sean. Now, let's move on to our feature segment today. One thing that is very much associated with Christmas is toys. Whether the toys come from Santa's workshop or your friends and family, I think most of us have some great childhood Christmas memories that involve toys. So, I thought I'd talk about one of the most successful toys in history that has been involved in countless Christmas memories and is very much in the public consciousness right now, Barbie.
0: Hi, Barbie. Hi Barbie, 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 hi Barbie. Hi Barbie.
1: The story of Barbie starts in 1945 when Ruth Handler and her husband Elliot, along with their business partner Harold Matson, started a company. They combined Harold Matson's last name with Elliot Handler's first name and called the company Mattel. And they were in the business of selling, you guessed it, picture frames. Yep, Mattel didn't start out as a toy company. They started making picture frames. But using the scrap from the picture frames, Elliot started making dollhouse furniture. With the post-war baby boom, the dollhouse furniture sales started making more money than the picture frames. Ruth saw potential in the toy business. So they pivoted and launched into the toy business with the iconic toy, the Yukadoodle. Yeah, it was a ukulele that you could pretend to play. It doesn't light the world on fire, but it does well enough. Now Mattel is looking to expand. Their competitor Hasbro has made a history by making the first TV commercial for a toy. But Mattel takes it a step further. There's a new show coming out, a variety show for kids, and they want advertisers. But Mattel couldn't just put a few commercials on near Christmas. The show wanted a year-long and $500,000 commitment. Ruth thinks it's worth it, despite the risk of spending that much of the company's money. Turns out Ruth was right because this variety show was very popular indeed.
2: That's
1: That's right. The show in question was the Mickey Mouse Club, which was obviously a huge hit, and Mattel's new product sold like gangbusters. So much so they completely sold out. And you know what that product was? It clearly wasn't Barbie, or you would have said it already. I. I mean, you're right, but you stepped on my reveal of the burp gun. The burp gun? Yeah, the burp gun. So it shot burps at people? No. So you'd use it to shoot at people's burps? No, it was just a rapid-fire cap gun. So why'd they call it a burp gun? And when does Barbie show up in this segment about Barbie? I'll ignore the first question because I have no idea and move forward to the second. You see, by this point, Ruth and Elliot had bought Harold out and were running the company themselves. Elliot was the creative and Ruth handled the business and marketing. But that doesn't mean Ruth didn't have ideas.
0: I had observed my daughter Barbara playing with her friends on the floor by the hour. They would play with adult paper dolls. I tried to convince Elliot that we could make a three-dimensional uh, doll to and create such play patterns.
1: And he said it'd be impossible for us to do. Now, if you don't know what paper dolls are, don't worry, I didn't either. Basically, it's a little cutout drawing of a woman. And there are little cutout outfits that you can put on the doll and secure them in place with tabs granted fashion isn't my thing but this sounds like the least fun toy in the world and the easiest to rip or break or like what, <laughs> how did barbara play with these things for hours but ruth saw the potential in making an actual doll out of this remember at the time the only dolls kids had were babies or kids they didn't have dolls of adults ruth saw the gap there children were done with being babies and they were currently kids But adulthood was still in their future, full of possibilities and rife with potential for imagination. Unfortunately, the men at Mattel didn't have the imagination to see the potential of this toy, so they balked at the idea. But Ruth never gave up on it. And when she was on vacation in Germany with her family, she saw something that would kickstart things again. There was a doll marketed to adults as a sort of gag gift for men called the Bill Lilly doll. It was based off a racy comic strip. I say racy, it's pretty tame by today's standards, but in the 1950s, I guess an attractive cartoon woman was too much to handle. But Ruth saw that the doll piqued her daughter Barbara's interest. It's because Lily was an adult with fashionable clothes on like the 3D version of the paper dolls she'd advocated for. So she bought some Lily dolls and took them back home, and she showed them to Jack Ryan.
2: I will not let you dishonor their memories by pretending you had nothing to do with it. How dare you come in here and lecture me? How dare you, sir?
1: No, 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 not the Tom Clancy character. This was a real inventor and designer who designed the new dolls' joints, set up the factories that built the dolls in Japan, and would later go on to have a falling out with Ruth and ultimately sue Mattel. But that's a bit of a bummer, so we won't get into the weeds over there. We'll just steer things back to this origin story. Most of the men were still not on board with the grown-up woman doll idea. So Ruth brought in a psychologist and did focus groups with kids and moms. To Ruth's surprise, the moms agreed with the men. They thought the doll was inappropriate, which blows my mind. I know we're more than a half century past where they were at this point, but imagine being offended by a tiny version of a human. Like, somehow, that was too racy. That was going to light the world on fire. It's like a woman, but she's smaller. Ah! But I digress yet again. The focus groups did reveal the way to mark the doll to get the parents on board. The doll would teach girls good grooming habits. Dressing her up, combing her hair, being presentable as a lady. Apparently that was enough to sway the moms. So now, we're off to the races. The doll goes into production and is given a name. Barbie. After Ruth's daughter, Barbara. Who ironically, never went by Barbie. They crafted a commercial that would sell the idea of what Barbie
2: is. Barbie dressed for swim and fun is only three dollars. Her lovely fashions range from $1 to $5. Look for Barbie wherever dolls are sold.
1: Someday I'm gonna be exactly like you. Till then I know just what I'll do. Barbie, beautiful Barbie. I'll make believe that I am
2: you. You can tell it's Mattel. It's
1: swell. Ruth unveils the doll at the 1959 American International Toy Fair in March, and it is an instant dud. None of the toy buyers want anything to do with it. Sears, one of the largest chain stores at the time, gave it a hard pass. Ruth was crushed. She called the factory and told them to stop production because they weren't getting enough orders. She was preparing to take a big loss on Barbie. But then... Those ads on the Mickey Mouse Club, combined with kids being home for summer vacation, led to a big demand for Barbie. That year was the number one Christmas present, and they sold 350,000 Barbies the first year. And sales went up after that. Ruth had proved the doubters wrong, and Barbie was a huge hit. Ironically, Ruth and Barbara's relationship took a hit at this time. Ruth was so focused on work that Barbara felt more than a little neglected, and when the first chance she had, she got married and got out of there. And they wouldn't talk for quite a while. But Barbara's namesake, Barbie, was becoming a huge success. And part of the success of Barbie was he didn't just buy the doll. There were a bunch of different outfits and accessories, each sold separately, of course. So it continued being a moneymaker. But there was one thing that the kids demanded. They wanted Barbie to have a boyfriend. So in 1962, Ken pops onto the scene. And Ken was named after Ruth's son, Ken. Ken. Now, I've done a not insignificant amount of research for this segment, and nothing that I have read or listened to or watched has made mention of the fact that it's really odd that this boyfriend girlfriend couple Ruth named after her son and daughter. No one's gonna point out that that's weird. Like, not weird, like we need to stop this, but just weird, like can we acknowledge that it's weird? We can move on after that, but I just, we need to acknowledge that is weird. The son and daughter should not be boyfriend-girlfriend. Okay, it's weird. It's weird. Okay, it's weird. We can acknowledge it, and we can move on. Because after Ken, there becomes a whole entourage of Barbie friends and family. Her best friend, Midge, younger sister, Skipper, and her cousin, Francie. Francie is an interesting one, because after the initial debut of Francie in 1966, they issued another version in 1967 with a darker skin tone called Colored Francie. Yikes! Yeah, even back then, that was very... As the kids say, cringe. Not only that, they didn't change the mold of the doll, they just changed the skin color. So it was a doll with European features, but just darker. Needless to say, this was not a raging success. So much so that Mattel wants you to forget all about it. And they insist that Christy, who made her debut in 1968, was the first African-American doll in the Barbie line. But the 60s were full of turmoil for the world and also for Barbie. The role of women was changing in American society, and the idea of a doll that only promoted looking pretty and different clothes was not looked on kindly by many of the women's liberation movement. But instead of taking their literal toys and going home, Mattel adapted to the changing times. The branding of Barbie was changed to emphasize that she was an independent woman who could do anything. She had so many careers. Nurse, flight attendant, astronaut, so many more. Barbie was an aspirational toy, encouraging little girls to dream big and know that Anything is possible. Of course, there's also the controversy of Barbie giving girls body image issues. I know I've heard growing up that if a real human had Barbie's dimensions, she would collapse under her own weight. In doing research for this, I found out that some of her features were basically so the clothes would fit on the doll and look good better. Like, it was literally designed like a mannequin to show off clothes. But as I say, intent doesn't negate impact. And Ruth herself got caught up in some controversy in the 70s. Mattel was caught lying about their stock was worth, and she, along with her husband and a few others, were indicted for securities fraud. Ruth managed to get only five years probation, but she had to cut ties with Mattel, the company she founded she was no longer a part of. This was obviously a big blow for Ruth, but she did mend fences with her daughter Barbara during this time. So it's good that that relationship was back on track. And she would later, in 1987, be brought back into the Mattel fold when she was given a writing credit on a two-part TV special, Barbie and the Rockers, Out of This World. And it was the next year when Barbie would stumble upon a new market, the adult collector's market. In 1988, Mattel comes out with the first Holiday Barbie. It's a Barbie in a glamorous but festive holiday outfit and a slightly more elaborate box. It becomes a hit not only with kids, but with adult collectors. Apparently, that first Holiday Barbie is one of the most valuable ones on the secondary market. And they've done some version of a Holiday Barbie every year since. The most joyous time of the year. Her dress sparkles and glistens. A time for celebration and magic. This season inspire wonder and imagination.
0: The Barbie holiday doll. Each sold separately.
1: With Barbie, you can be anything. Speaking of Barbie and Christmas, since that's kind of why we're here, she's made a few Christmas movies. In 2001, her first ever movie was Barbie and the Nutcracker, a very loose adaptation of the story of the Nutcracker and the Mouse King. In her first ever feature-length movie, Barbie comes magically to life. Barbie in The Nutcracker. A spectacular adventure of music and dance. In 2008, she got to join the ranks of Mickey, Kermit, and Mr. Magoo when she starred in Barbie in A Christmas Carol. In this heartwarming comedy, Barbie shares the tale of Eden Starling, a Victorian singing star and hilarious diva. But selfish Eden and her snooty cat, Chuzzlewit, ruin Christmas for all the theater's performers. That night, Eden takes a fantastical journey with three very unusual visitors. Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Along the way, Eden learns that Christmas is a season of giving and joy. And in 2011, she got to be in an original Christmas story, Barbie, A Perfect Christmas.
2: When Barbie and her sisters, Chelsea, <laughs> Stacy, and Skipper.
0: This is going to be the best Christmas Never. We're going to New
2: the the Find their holiday plans have suddenly changed. Our flight was canceled. How will Santa know how to find us? I promise we'll have the perfect Christmas. They have no idea. Welcome to the Tannenbaum Inn. Of the musical, magical fun in store for them. This is Santa's Workshop! Chelsea, we're in
1: Minnesota. And don't worry, with each one of these movies, a unique doll was released to go with the movie. I mean, sold separately, of course. Now, not to yuck anyone's yum if you like these movies, but let's say they aren't quite as good as the Margot Robbie movie. What's wrong?
0: I'm not pretty anymore. What? You're so pretty. I'm not stereotypical Barbie pretty. Note to the
1: filmmakers, Margot Robbie is the wrong person to cast if you want to make this point. I've got to say, this was an expansive topic, much more so than I'd expected. There's so much I've left out, from the popular Barbies like Malibu Barbie, Talking Barbie, Presidential Candidate Barbie, her dream house, how she broke up with Ken for like eight years, the lawsuit with the Bratz dolls, the lawsuit over the song Barbie Girl. So much more story behind this tiny plastic doll. And if you want to learn more, you should definitely check out the show, The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. Episode two of season one, it's all about Barbie. And I'll also put a link in the show notes to an episode of the History Chicks podcast, which really fleshes out Ruth's history and adds historical context along the way. But I've wanted to do a show about Barbie for a while, and I'm glad she's getting a real moment in the spotlight. Because I feel like boys' toys are regarded as perfectly acceptable fodder for nostalgia and discussion and even celebration. If I was doing this show about Transformers, He-Man, or G.I. Joe, I don't think anyone would bat an eye. But because Barbie is quote-unquote for girls, it's somehow seen as more frivolous and less worthy of discussion. But this toy is a juggernaut. They sell over 58 million Barbies every year. That breaks down to one being sold every two seconds. They've sold over a billion Barbies since 1959. 90% of all girls between the ages of 3 and 10 years old own at least one Barbie, and the average girl owns 10. So there's no doubt that there have been a lot of Barbies under Christmas trees over the last 65 years. And I hope the majority of them are encouraging those kids to dream big and follow those dreams. And that's our show. Thanks for listening, and thanks once again to Sean for doing our five golden things today. The link to his show, Christmas Podcast Podcast, is in the show notes. Also in the show notes is the link to that yard flag I talked about earlier in the show, but again, no pressure. And if you didn't get enough Barbie, check out the History Chicks episode on Barbie, which is also linked in the show notes. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, Yule Believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas, 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2024.
0: Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at at Tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on the app, formerly known as Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod.
1: So, like I said at the beginning, I really haven't gotten. I oh, so like I said at the beginning. So, like I said at the beginning, I really haven't gotten di- So, like I said at the beginning, I am not any better at talking in 2024. So, yay! I'm turning my five golden things segment over to the other network hosts, so you can really get a f- glow. Or if. I wonder what I was thinking I was typing. So you can really get a glow or if some of the other shows. What was I supposed to be saying? I'll say vibe. That's a word the kids say. i don't look at me. I'm all hip. No cap, fam. I've got the riz. Bussin. I can actually hear you cringing from the future. I think most of us have some great childhood Christmas memories that... Memories? They're like memories, but they involve members. So I thought I'd talk about one of the most successful toys in history that has been involved in countless Christmas memories and is very much in the public consciousness right now, Barbie. I feel like I could say that sentence without running out of breath midway through it. Barbie first hit the scene back in 1959. I know what you're thinking. Oh, nope, 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 nope. Okay, so let me read the whole sentence that I just cut off. Barbie first hit the scene back in 1959. I know what you're thinking. The same year Weird Al Yankovic was born? The very same. So that was a bit that I was going to do because it was going to set up the fact that the whole reason I decided to do a segment about Barbie was I was going to do a parody of the Dua Lipa song, Dance Tonight, and make the lyrics about the history of Barbie turns out I could not make that work. Like I tried a bunch of different angles. It just wasn't working. And then I had a great idea. I'm like, Oh, I know. I'll put the names of all the holiday Barbies in the song. And it'll just be like me rapid fire singing all the holiday Barbie names. Turns out they're all called holiday Barbie. So I would have just been singing holiday Barbie over and over again. So the th- I was gonna make a transition from Weird Al to me doing a parody song of my own, and instead I'm just I just have to cut that line, and I forgot to do that before I started recording. And that's a little behind the scenes of how the show happens. That's how the sausage is made, and sometimes a chunk of sausage gets thrown on the floor. I mean, you don't eat it afterwards; you throw it away. But you know what? This was a bad analogy. So now, we're off to the races. The doll goes into production, and they give it a name, Barbie, after Ruth's Darbra.